This is episode 263 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman and Jared Aubrey. And on this episode, we discuss Survivor Series results, whether or not Survivor Series should be revamped, final 2021 predictions, results, and scores, and much more. Hey, OJ Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Yes, we will be talking about the bad Survivor Series and how to make it good again. And... (laughs) And maybe a quick shooting the ish segment to start things off with a little AEW talk. But as we do around this time, Seth, Jarrett, how the hell are you? Well, it's December. And as the night of this recording, it's actually one of those palindrome dates, 12 to 21, where it kind of reads the same way backwards as it does forwards. I always kind of find that stuff kind of funny, but. Looking forward to talking some wrestling before we dig into the eggnog. Mm, eggnog. But it's been a day of some not-so-great news, right? So first of all, uh, WWE SmackDown gets rescheduled here in Winnipeg from January till the end of September in 2022. And, boy, the big news for Josh is Javi Baez goes to the Tigers. What's up with that? You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he went to the Mets at the trade deadline, so I've kind of cut my emotional ties. But eh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you go from a big market to a bigger market to the Detroit Tigers. So <laughs> yeah, have fun and me- have fun with mediocrity, Javi. But not only is today's date a palindrome, Seth, but it is also an ambigram, which is means it's the same upside down as right side up, at least on a calculator. Oh, so you mean like it's that type of thing where if you hold the calculator upside down, if you type the right number in, it says boobs? Well, yeah, if you're <laughs> 16 and an adolescent boy, but I'm talking about 12022021. You flip it upside down, it's still one two oh two two oh two one. Hell sixteen. I was doing that at twelve, Josh. What do you mean? <laughs> I just picked a random number. <laughs> I probably learned it at grade school. I don't know. Oh my god. Well, when it comes to numbers like that, I always say there's ten types of people, those who understand binary and those who don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a tad joke right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was going to say that should be one of our new segments, but then we might lose a whole bunch of listeners. So <laughs> there hasn't been a bunch of wrestling news, at least nothing earth shattering in the last week or so. So instead, we will shoot the ish. <laughs> Specifically, the announcement that Tony Khan made about Winter is Coming, where Daniel Bryan, ah, Bryan Danielson 
will get his AEW world title shot against Hangman Adam Page. Now, the curious point I want to make here, and to get your opinion, fellas, is last year at Winter is Coming, they did the same exact thing where they gave the winner of the title eliminator tournament the winner who won at full gear kenny omega a title shot against then champion john moxley at winter is coming and that's when kenny omega won the world title will we have a deja vu experience at the 2021 when winter is coming or do they use Brian Danielson as a way to solidify Hangman Adam Page's title run and move both characters on to something else afterwards? I think that they're probably using the date for the precedent because they can say, hey, one year ago, Kenny Omega won the title. I, I see the logic in that. If it was me, I probably would have saved that match for the TBS premiere just because I think it'll be a bigger audience. Uh, but that that's just me, because I, I really think that once they go to TBS, the ratings are going to go back and stay above a million for a while. Because I honestly think the reason they're, they've been under a million for the last two months is because they're showing at 5 p.m. on, you know, they're being shown in the afternoon in half the country right now. So, but in the end, I see the logic in it. They Because AEW... For the two years they've been around, they seem to do a good job of recognizing the past and telling the long-term stories and giving you reason to believe that they'll actually back up what they say they're going to do, if that makes any sense. So I, I can see the logic of them doing it, but to answer the second part of the question, I think Hangman retains. It's too early to take the title off of him after a two-year story, in my opinion. I've been saying that I think Brian Danielson is a heel for the context of the feud, meaning this is meaning he trying to get Paige cheered against him. But while he's doing dastardly things, he's still kind of being the same. Brian Danielson, and even to an extent, Daniel Bryan. I mean, when he was a babyface, I think he was a little more happy-go-lucky. But you go back to the Brian Danielson on the the Independence when he was being the American Dragon. I mean, this is the type of stuff he used to do. It's just he took winning that seriously. So I think Paige is going to retain. I think Danielson will kind of revert back to being a de facto babyface just because he's such a big star. And I think there will be big things in store for 2022. But, hey, if they want to keep Brian Danielson as a heel, if he wants to, I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to do that as well. But, yeah, I, I still think Paige retains, though. And this is what I was kind of worried about when they set all this up, and which is kind of why I was hoping that Kenny Omega would retain it at the last pay-per-view, is I, I still think it's too soon for this match to bring in Daniel or Brian Danielson. <laughs> I'm doing it too, Josh, uh, as such a big signing and, and such a big industry name and you know, high-profile moments and then throw him right into a title match that he's just has to lose. 
I don't think was the right way to handle that. I would have preferred to have him built up uh, alongside for a while than have him win the title. But yeah, he's Hangman's going to retain. I like I said, I think it's the wrong idea. And but he'll be fine. Uh, Brian will be fine. He's he's huge. AEW loves him, and uh, they'll just pick right back up, and he'll he'll move on again. Well, here's my thinking on a few of these things. One, he can say whatever he wants, but he's a heel. He, he's a he's a outright dick. <laughs> um, he's calling the fans jerks. He's gone back to his eco-friendly time where he calls them fickle. He's kicking teeth out of wrestlers' mouths. Uh, yeah, he he's a heel for sure. And if if they were to do the title change to to Brian it's i i think again you run the risk of alienating your fan base especially the ones who've gone gone along for the ride with the rise of hangman adam page Brian Danielson does not need to be undefeated to remain one of the top level stars in AEW. So I don't think he's hurt by a loss. And I think you can, you know, you can, you have so many options after a loss for Brian Danielson. You could have him go on a mini redemption arc. You could do all kinds of different things to the point of, just having him being thrown into the title picture. That was kind of one of my concerns after signing all these top level guys, whether it be CM Punk or Adam Cole or Brian Danielson, you can't have everybody in the main event picture. You can't have everybody challenging for the title at the same time, just because they're the new shiny toy. And they're, they've kind of done that with Adam Cole and CM Punk is that they're nowhere near the main event scene, but they are working matches that are good to great matches against other younger talent. And in doing so, getting people over without, you know, being in that main event and or title picture. So Adam Cole has his story with the super click and the elite and now with Bobby fish and depending on how some other contracts go, could be Kyle O'Reilly could be Johnny Gargano could be Tommaso Ciampa could be uh, Kevin Steen. So lots of possibilities there and none of that gets them anywhere near the main event picture until Kenny Omega's return, I have a feeling, and then we may get some kind of Adam Cole and his faction against Kenny Omega and his faction. But that's way far down the line into probably the first quarter of next year. So after that long-winded diatribe, I, I would also say that the smart money is on Hangman also retaining. It's well, one yeah, thing it's, you there that was definitely true that... Uh, there's anything that's true about Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or whatever name he, he wants to go by. He definitely knows how to stay over without winning. That's true. And, and really, I mean, you can't, you can't torpedo, you know, Adam page either. Right. Like you just went through this story, this big, long story arc over multiple years. He just won the big one and you can't, 
just have him lose again, right? Like, there's no way you're just you've booked yourself in a corner. Like, he has to win this match, right? Yeah, because at that point, he he's not even a position where he needs a token championship. That that would be the ultimate definition of a transition champion in the worst possible way. And he's not, like I said, he's not at the point of his career where he needs a token championship. This is his first championship. So, yeah, he needs to be celebrated, revered, built up, uh, metamorphosized into this new badass version of himself and keep that going. And, and I, don't, I don't think any of us are saying that he needs to have a six-month or a one-year reign. Just give it to him for a couple months, at, the, at, at least. Give him some credible wins. And if you want to take the belt off him, you can take the belt off him in a, in a screw job and he can go on the hunt again. I don't think he needs to hold on the belt for, you know, two years or anything like that. Well, that's the thing in AEW though, right? A, a six month title rate in AEW is, is a two month title rate in WWE, right? Really? They have two, they'll have two big shows in that, in that time versus the champ being in a fight every week on WWE TV. So you know, for them to do a, you know, a quote year long title reign would be like a two or even three year long title reign AEW ad. Give it to him for two or three months, or you know, let him defend it once on the big show. Let him lose it the next one. He'll have that's you know that'll be uh, a six month journey as champion. And yeah, let's go. Agreed. I think there's too many people that are in the queue that could benefit from a title run that we don't want to be. We don't want to be waiting for months on end until the you know until the next person in the queue steps up and those type of things. At the same time, we do appreciate long term storytelling, but you know these long lengthy title runs are a bit exhausting mm. after a while. Mm, perhaps the AEW roster doth get too large. <laughs> we need a fifth show to get everybody on TV. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But, I said it months ago. I called it. Well, I'm telling you. One thing that is interesting, and, and this ties into that, is last week Big Swole announced that she and AEW mutually agreed to let her contract run out. And um, whether it has to do with her health or the fact that she wasn't being used or it's possible she wasn't being used because of her health, but... When AEW started, a majority of the talent signed three-year contracts. Well, guess what 2022 is? The end of those three years. So there will be a wave of talent whose contracts are coming up at various points of the new year. And whether they choose to let their contracts expire or re-sign, it will be interesting. Creative had nothing for budget cuts. <laughs> we'll I'm get so, to that later. I'm sorry, we can't <laughs> we can't retain you because we have to pay the Jacksonville Jaguars crappy team. <laughs> no, I think Tony's been on record saying that he's not ever going to use budget cuts as a reason to let anybody go. Well, he has more money than Vince does. Yeah, right. And if you don't believe him, he'll tell you. <laughs> All right. Anything else AEW related before we move on to the suck fest that was Survivor Series? I got no. Let's get the shit sandwich over with. (laughs) All right. Moving on then to Survivor Series. 
we're going to do this a little differently. Like I said last time for the predictions, they didn't really put much effort into Survivor Series, so why should we? We didn't even do these predictions on the air. We did them on Twitter. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read off each match and the result. And then at the end, I'll do the predictions results. And if anybody wants to talk about any particular match or segment, <clears throat> Seth, um, we can do that. <laughs> so uh, here are the results of said card. Uh, the kickoff show, they moved the United States champion versus the Intercontinental champion to the kickoff show as Damian Priest defeated... No, I'm sorry. Damian Priest got himself disqualified and lost to Shinsuke Nakamura. Then the show kicked off with the Raw Women's Champion versus the SmackDown Women's Champion. And had I known they were going to do this, I would have watched this match and turned it off immediately afterwards because this was all I had interest in. But Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair. We had the men's traditional Survivor Series match where Team Raw of Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Austin Theory, and Bobby Lashley defeated Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, Sheamus, and Happy Corbin of Team SmackDown. And we had a 25-man cross-brand battle royal for no stakes, no prize, no nothing. Not going to read out all 25 names, but we had people from Raw and SmackDown. The winner of the match was Omos. Then we had the Raw Tag Team Champions versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and RK Bro surprisingly defeated the Usos. In the women's traditional Survivor Series match, Team Raw, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina defeated... <sighs> Did they defeat? Yes, defeated Team SmackDown of... No, I'm sorry. Team Raw won. Team Raw defeated SmackDown. I think that's what I said. I'm so confused. Well, most of the people on Team Raw were on Team SmackDown last year. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, yeah, Team Raw defeated Team SmackDown, which was Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and Tony Storm. And in the main event, Roman Reigns... The tribal chief, the head of the table, defeated Big E in a big physical hoss fight. Before I get to the predictions results, I will now open the floor to anyone who wanted to speak about any match, segment, or any part of the show that they wanted to vent about. Well, the big thing that I would vent about is uh, 12 minutes into a pay-per-view before a match started, and I already found myself wanting to watch The Rock's movie rather than uh, Survivor Series. Uh, Raw won every single match except for the main event. And I noticed that in the men's Survivor Series match and in the women's Survivor Series match, the story was, can the teams coexist? They had the Rock's 25th anniversary Battle Royal. That's why they were doing the Battle Royal, because somehow it was to commemorate the Rock's 25 years since his debut. Lance Storm actually tweeted a good thing about this, because he said it felt so much like a battle royal on the indies because everybody wore t-shirts and they were paid in pizza. And, uh, so, uh, the, the, I guess so much of the rocks movie was being shown and they kept building it up, building up on everything. Like 
almost every other segment after a wrestling match was something about the rock. And then they had Roman reigns in the main event and then Roman reigns ones and one his match. And if you notice the crowd started getting to their feet after the match, I know some people say, Oh, he was never advertised. He was never advertised true, but they built survivor series around being the 25th anniversary of the rock. They were doing all this promotion about the rocks movie. Vince McMahon had his, uh, egg. There's this hundred million dollar egg. They can apparently lay off half the roster, but Vince McMahon has a hundred million dollar egg that the rock personally gave him. What the heck did they think people were going to expect at the end of the show? They were expecting the rock to show up at the end of the show and they didn't get it. The show just, just ended. So I think that, hurt a bit of the, uh, the, uh, the crowd reaction, so to speak, because I think they were willing to sit through all of this if they got the rock for, even if it was a pre-recorded promo, because I can totally understand with COVID restrictions and all that, why he might not have been able to appear live. But I think people were expecting based on all the hinting of this show being built around the rock and all the, uh, promotional material for the rocks movie. I think fans were expecting the rock to show up in some capacity. Now, one other one thing that I will give WWE credit for, actually, I guess uh, two things. Like I said, the, the 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 women's match, the Becky versus Charlotte was very good. Uh, I did get irked a little bit that this um, bitter rivalry and Becky cheats to win, and Charlotte's already smiling by the time uh, the Becky's leaving the ring. I didn't really care for that, but the match was good. And the other thing is for the finish for the RK bro Usos, I forget which Uso got pinned, but the way they shot it where the Uso was coming off with the big splash and then Orton just came in, well, out of nowhere and hit the RKO. At first it made me think, well, this kind of makes the Usos look stupid because pretty clearly Randy was like standing right there so he could hit the RKO so fast. But they did show from another vantage point, and I'm giving WWE credit here, they actually showed it, and Orton just kind of shot in right about the time he was was making his leap. So Orton timed that absolutely perfectly. So it, it was a very good finish to that match. And I do believe I picked RKO to, to uh, win, if I recall correctly. But that's really all I had. The main things that I could rant on about, I've, I've, I think I've done so much in real life, I'm not sure I could do them justice again, but it just... In storyline, Vince McMahon has a $100 million egg. In storyline, apparently the other uh, babyface talent are so greedy that it's leading to people getting laid off. That's what the storyline is. And yet, here in story, in real life, they're laying off people for budget cuts. But yet, they're still trying to tell you that Vince McMahon has a $100 million egg. That just uh, doesn't really sit with me. So I'll get off my soapbox. I'll let you guys say what you want. Well, before I get to Survivor Series, okay, the $100 million egg, okay, a gift from The Rock. On, on, I'm going to skip to Raw the next night. It was stolen. Did we ever find out? I, I quit watching Raw. Who, who took the damn thing? Austin Theory. Really? Because he, he wanted a selfie with Vince? Yeah, he wanted a selfie with the egg. Yeah, I think what they might have been doing, and maybe they dropped it, or maybe there's more to be said, Sammy Zayn came in and said he knew who had the egg and that's when he brought in Austin theory because Vince said, whoever gave him information that led to the return of the egg would get a title match. 
well, I'm, I'm sorry, a championship opportunity against Big E. So I think it was one of those Sami Zayn was tr- and uh, Austin Theory were trying to work that system, so to speak, so Sami could get a title match. And then Vince didn't give it to him, and Sami was was outraged. So because the the punchline to that part of it being Vince saying, "I hate a snitch." So, you know, I can see somebody finding entertainment in that. I'm not going to say that I thought it was dumb or anything like that. I think that's just what they were trying to do. Maybe that's the way I interpreted it was it was Sammy trying to uh, buck the system and, uh, you know, getting screwed for it. But who knows? They might have written that thing five times before it made the air. Wait a minute. So I did catch the start of the show and then turned it off because I was so bored. But Vince threatened. Adam Pierce and Sonny to both their jobs if they didn't find out what was going on. And then he offers a title opportunity or sorry, a championship opportunity to anybody that brought him information about the egg. And then he says he hates a snitch. You ask yeah. everyone to give you information for a title shot. That's that type of thing where I can kind of, uh, kind of roll my eyes a little bit and say, well, Vince McMahon's a bad guy and all that stuff. I'm not saying I'm defending it. I'm just saying I think that's the logic in their uh, storyline. I'd say that no matter what happens, you're never gonna you're, you're never gonna please Vince McMahon because he's a bad guy. Yeah, there's no well, logic anywhere. I was just gonna say ten ten points from Seth because there's no logic in WWE. <laughs> but anyway, back back to Survivor Series. Um, I I, I use the phrase shit sandwich because this show was bookended by two fantastic matches and everything in the middle was just garbage. So Becky and Charlotte was the equivalent of a female hoss fight. I, I think with the real life stuff going on, this looked solid and stiff and tough. And it was just, a, it was a fantastic match. Roman and Big E was another awesome match a true Haas fight, and uh, it was super fun to watch. Everything in the middle, I could have taken it or leaving, uh, left it. I, you know, it wasn't super entertaining. The the battle royal, while well, yeah, they they teased me with Ricochet getting into the final four, and like Ooh, he's got a shot, and then nine and a half seconds later, he's tossed out of the ring. But I, I kind of agree with the the whole Rock business. Now, when you build an entire show around him amidst rumors of him showing up at WrestleMania, like what are you going to expect? Whether it's, you know, Roman wins and celebrates for a bit. And then you hear if you smell and you expect the crowd to go nuclear at that point. And whether it's live or a, a promo, whatever, all good. Um, yeah. So I think kind of maybe not quite bait and switch material, but the expectation I think was there. I, I know I'd kind of, I was joking around with Josh. Was, oh, it's going to be with the rock. Rock's going to show up. And they're like, no, he isn't. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. like, there's no way that's happening. So yeah, I just kind of let down a little bit there, but yeah, just everything in the middle, you know, the, the, like I said, the, the, the first and the end matches were, were excellent. And then the middle stuff was just boring. So it was a really craptacular show. Survivor series was all about missed opportunities and even post survivor series was missed uh, at least one missed opportunity the whole thing with the rock i read after the pay-per-view that wwe knew back in september 
that the rock was not coming to survivor series and their choice, their decision was that we're just going to do the show as if he were going to be there, except we're not going to have the rock there. So it was basically a rock tribute, a rock commercial promoting the rock and then not having the rock. Well, the rock being there was the most important part of that whole thing. And you went ahead with out changing anything. And you thought that was the best possible outcome. Fantastic. I, you know, the missed opportunity post survivor series was with the exception of the kickoff show, Everybody on SmackDown lost except for Roman Reigns. So I'm like, well, okay, what they can do with that is obviously he'll cut a promo saying how SmackDown is his show, literally, because nobody else on this show could muster a win with the exception of himself. And we get to SmackDown. He does call everybody a loser, but it's in reference to all the people he's beaten as opposed to all the losers from Survivor Series. I'm like... You had this promo that wrote itself and you didn't even touch on it. So that just further illustrates how meaningless Survivor Series was. The other story out of Survivor Series was the predictions that we made. Now, going into Survivor Series, I was sitting on 99 correct predictions. And we had said that, well, if I go over then I wouldn't win my 100th prediction. Well, after the kickoff match, I was 0-1, then 0-2, then 0-3, and 0-4, and 0-5. And, and at that point, I was like, <laughs> well, maybe I'm not going to win my 100th prediction because it was not looking good. Uh, but then Team Raw for the women came through and gave me my 100th correct prediction of the year. And, uh, of course, we all picked the Tribal Chief, so uh, Roman Reigns made it 101. But I did not win the night. <laughs> Nobody would have thought I would going 0-5 to start. So the winner of Survivor Series was Seth at 5-2. and two. Jarrett and I tied two and five. In fact, we were, I think we were identical, Jarrett. We were both 0 and 5 going into the women's traditional Survivor Series match. And then we both won the last two matches. So, yeah, identical picks. So, Seth, your good night got you 10 and a half points because you did pick up that half point from almost winning. And uh, Jarrett and I tied it four points. So the final leaderboard standings for the year of 2021, as there is no December pay-per-view in either promotion of the 140 possible matches and results spanning AEW and WWE for the calendar year of 2021. I had a record of 101 and 39 for 344 and a half points. Now this is where it gets interesting, Nick, because there's obviously only three of us, but Jarrett and Seth, you both finished with the identical record of 90 <laughs> and 50, but Jarrett it narrowly escapes 
<laughs> with 298 points to 297.5 wow. so jared second place <laughs> jared hung on by the skin of his teeth because seth almost pulled it out with a spectacular survivor series no recounts <laughs> damn nice year josh jeez yeah, it, it I was as I was mentioning, it, it won't be replicated in 2022 because WWE has fully transitioned into nobody knows what the hell's going on ever and you know, gearing <laughs> towards the children, so God only knows <laughs> what next year will bring. And looking back at 2020, granted we skipped three pay-per-views, but Jarrett, you had the lead on points and Seth had the lead on victories, but we were all within three to four correct predictions of each other. So it was more tightly run last year. This year, the tight race was uh, second and third for sure. Identical record and 0.5 of a point. So anyway, leading off for 2022 will be day one the first incarnation of this pay-per-view Saturday, January 1st on new year's day. There's only one announced match for this pay-per-view as we record here on December 2nd. And that is a WWE title triple threat match featuring big E taking on Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. The rest of the card is TBD. Well, considering it's WWE and they have almost a month left, I mean, that's an eternity for them to build a card uh, in their world. We're going to get Twitter announcements in between New Year's resolutions on the 31st. <laughs> I was going to say that they'll announce the, the rest of the card like two days before the show starts. Yeah, and and then they'll spend uh, uh, what TV they have after they've announced the matches on Twitter, like redoing the matches. Yeah, what was yeah. with that? With the Survivor Series men's team, first Adam, first they announce them all on Twitter. Then Adam Pierce says he doesn't want Dominic Mysterio in the match because he wants all former WWE champions to be in the match. And then we get Austin Theory in the match, who's never won the WWE title. What the what the, what the hell was that? All right, so the next piece of discussion. Survivor Series, for the past several years, when they do this brand supremacy crap, has been a disaster. And part of that is that the draft is so close to Survivor Series that there can't possibly be any brand loyalty for somebody who was just drafted several weeks earlier, or even a couple or a few weeks earlier. Uh... So how do we fix Survivor Series? There's there's the option of just going back to the traditional five-on-five five matches like it used to be back in the day. You could, if, you, if you're going to do the brand supremacy garbage, you can relocate the draft to some other time in the year far away from... Uh, Survivor Series. It used to be right after WrestleMania. That seems ideal because that's generally the consensus of what feels like a reset button. Or maybe there's other things to do like add stakes and implications of 
winning something at Survivor Series, whether you do brand supremacy or not. What do you guys think? How do we fix Survivor Series? Well, I was never into the brand supremacy thing because they're all, all under the same brand, especially this year. And I think it was the same thing last year. I mean, Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville are both managing both brands. So how is there any brand difference here when you got the same authority figures in charge of both shows? Now, if they had Pierce in charge of one and Sonya in charge of the other, okay. Yeah, I can, I can kind of sort of see that. But I prefer the idea of if they're going to do champions versus champions, they do that on the show they used to call Night of Champions, because that just seems to make sense. I always liked the Survivor Series matches, the, the traditional ones. Now, I can see how having an entire pay-per-view of just uh, elimination matches, I can see that potentially being an issue. But I also liked the idea with Survivor Series matches where you could tell the stories of each of the people like assembling their teams and seeing who would go with whatever teams. Because I remember way back when, uh, 89 or 90, you know, the Rockers teaming with the Ultimate Warrior and you know, what, what were some of the others, you know, just uh, I think there was, there was one that had, uh, uh, what was it, Jake the Snake and the Rockers and were that original survivor series where it was like savage steamboat duggan uh all on the same team stuff like that i thought was really cool so that's what i'd like to see them go back to kind of go back to the elimination team uh gimmick and maybe even do that uh what was it they did the one year where it was all the survivors would then be in a grand finale match maybe make that like a four corner survivor uh elimination match I don't know. I just, I prefer to me, Survivor Series was always about the elimination matches. That That's how it was to me. I just, I liked that gimmick. Maybe I'm in the minority, but that that's what I would do. Well, I think it's really easy how you fix Survivor Series. So, I mean, we even joked about it, but Seth, you, and you're touching on it is, it needs to go back to the way it was in the, in the, in the 80s. Like, Survivor Series used to get built around essentially five feuds or four if you include a tag team. It all came together, and then they put everybody in a big match together, and it was a big grudge match um, for that group's essentially essentially uh, superiority, right? So you got tag teams feuding, you've got a couple, you know, you got a championship level feud, you got other guys, and you got you got Hogan, you got to be on my team, brother. And then they'd all get together, and a bunch of group of good guys, a group of bad guys, and they're all involved with feuds against each other, and they duke it out at Survivor Series. So, I mean, like, pay-per-views are supposed to be big events and that are the culmination or a milestone uh, as part of a story. And what we have now is just announcing teams and it becomes Raw versus SmackDown. And that doesn't interest anybody, especially for all the reasons Josh mentioned. You know, just after the draft, you know, nobody cares what brand they're on. Like, let's go back to the days of the story and the story culminating at a pay-per-view. And that's what's going to drive the interest. I mean, like, there's there's no reason to get invested in this show as it is now because they just announced a bunch of matches. It's title versus title, or sorry, champion versus champion with no real ramifications. There's no real storylines to, to get involved in. It's just, 
let's just throw a bunch of big names together on a card and, and people will buy it. And it's, it's not interesting at all. Like I said, it's, we're relying on, or at least I am relying on the quality of the wrestling to get me through the show. And when you're, <laughs> when you're doing that, that's a really bad thing to be doing. That's, you know, people at this level, like you're in WWE for, you know, for a reason, like it's supposed to be the, you know, the main event. It's supposed to be the, the place to go. And the best of the best, everybody in WWE is very good for the most part. You know, nine and a half out of 10 people are very good. You're going to get good wrestling, but the thing that draws you in is the storyline. And if there's nothing to build to, or there's, there's no build to an event, uh, it's completely uninteresting. So, I mean, when I say it's simple and that's, you know, all you have to do, I'm, I'm using air quotes and you can't see it. Um, but really that's what it is. Like, get me invested in, in why this match is happening. Yeah. And to that point of getting back to the way it used to be booked with the five on five teams. And if, if you ever want to be emotionally invested and charged up and ready to watch a pay-per-view, go find on YouTube. Or if you have the WWE network or Peacock and go find the 1990 survivor series and just watch the intro of the pay-per-view where Vince McMahon does his classic introductions of the Hulkamaniacs take on Piper's brood or whatever the team names were. You know, it was like they introduced all the teams. All the teams had team names based on the captains. It's a survivor series. The epitome of tag team competition is the immortal Hulk Hogan and the earthquake in the respective teams of the Big Boss Man and Dino Bravo. Joining up with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Haku, Tugboat, the Barbarians, the Hulkamaniacs versus the Natural Disasters. Team Captains, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Join up with Coco Beware and a mystery partner, along with the Anvil, Rick Hammer Valentine, Bret Hart, the Honky Talk Man, the Dream Team versus the Million Dollar Team. Team Captains Nikolai Volkov and Sergeant Slaughter. Join up with Tito Santana, Mara Suko, Bushwhacker Butch, Sato, Bushwhacker Luka Tanaka, Zipsy Alliance versus the Mercenaries. Jake the Snake Roberts and the model Rick Martell, captain of respective teams of the Superfly, the Warlord, Marty Jannetty, the Mighty Hercules, Shawn Michaels, Paul Roma, the Vipers versus the Visionaries. World Wrestling Federation champion, the Ultimate Warrior, and Mr. Perfect, lead team members, Texas Tornado, Crash, along with Animal, Axe, Hawk, Smash, it's the Warriors versus the Perfect Team. It's the Survivor Series! And it was like, I remember in the early nine, you know, late eighties, early nineties, I had survivor series scorecards. Like I had, I oh, was yeah. ready to go. <laughs> like I, you know, it wasn't a catchphrase back then, but you know, I, I, I was of the mindset of let's effing go the survivor series. Let's do this. But you know, like you said, now it's nobody cares. I was really tempted to turn it off after Becky Charlotte. Cause I knew the rest of it didn't matter. And, you know, there was nothing, there were no stakes, nothing to fight for, nothing. 
And that's what the whole brand supremacy. And what does that get you? It's for it's quickly forgotten after Survivor mm-hmm. Series is over. It's barely touched on on TV, and then it's on to the next thing. How bad is it when Crown Jewel was a better show than Survivor Series? You're not you can lying. Make the argument. Well, was better than WrestleMania. Yeah, so it's been a topsy-turvy year for WWE, to say the least. Uh, it will be interesting to see how day one goes, considering it's never happened before. Uh, then we lead into the Royal Rumble and officially on the road to WrestleMania, which also feels unpredictable, to say the least. There's not... I guarantee you... Some of us might have problems with Royal Rumble predictions because there's no like clear cut, you know, person. You know, I I, I would have said Keith Lee, but no, carrying uh, Cr- no, no. Uh, <laughs> the fiend. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. So it's going to be difficult to predict. Maybe the winner of the Survivor Series. Elimination matches should be granted immunity from being future endeavored. Who knows? Uh, is there any chance at all that they're calling it day one? <clears throat> I realize it's January one. It's the first day of the year. Is there any chance? And this is just my candlelight of hope off off in the distance, hoping that this could be a possibility is that this is a reboot with the new rosters and they're going to kind of just, you know, the last couple of months have really meant nothing because they're going to do something good and, you know, new year's resolution kind of thing. I would not put that amount of faith into any form of long-term storytelling with them. Yeah. I think they just thought, well, it's the first day of the year. Let's have a show on there. And, uh, you know, New Year, whatever, whatever combination they could think of for New Year was already taken. So they thought, ah, day one. You know what has a better chance of happening, Jarrett? Is they, in part, came up with the name half, 50% what Seth said. And the other 50% is down since day one. Well, that's what I started thinking, too, as you were talking. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, big day for the bloodline, perhaps. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Do, let's not give them any credit unless they start showing that they deserve any credit. So yeah, it's any, anything not called day one, and any other names they probably had were probably taken by college football and all the bowl games that happened on January first. So yeah, they don't deserve any credit. It's just a goofy name for a pay per view that's on a holiday. I tried. <laughs> No glimmer of hope for you. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that is a good stopping point for this episode because, you know, Survivor Series, it is what it is, or it was what it was, and yeah, it's it's, uh, they're not going to be able to redeem themselves with a December pay-per-view because there isn't one, so that was their lasting pay-per-view impression for this calendar year, so yay for them. There is the uh, war games for NXT 2.0. I mean, I know we're not old enough to watch uh, NXT 2.0, so I guess we'll just have to wait for the results. But hey, I, I know that maybe in the war games match, the big story will be uh, can the teams get along or coexist? 
<laughs> yeah, that's another trope that needs to die. Yeah. Or because you know what you know somebody's turning. You know, they they do they seem to do that every year at the war game. Somebody on the babyface team turns. Well now they don't have a babyface team. It's just new school versus old school and each team has a mixture, but I think whoever eats the pin is the one that's leaving WWE, but that's just me. But the the women's uh, war games, the baby faces actually have the advantage. So that that's like screaming heel turn for one for the baby face team. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out on Sunday, I guess. I know I won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wait, wait, wait to wait to ruin NXT, Vince. And and now and just lastly, uh, Beth Phoenix announced today that she's stepping away as a as a color commentator. So even she's tired of NXT. <laughs> well, she's probably gonna go back to Raw and join uh, Edge for the eventual tag team match with Miz and Maurice. Oh, That's God. my hunch. <sighs> Joy. <laughs> All right, well, next week we will have a Prime Cut episode, and then stay tuned for the classic tradition of our year-end awards, and that will be out mid-December, just in time for everybody to take it in before the holidays. So, without... Any further ado, we thank you once again for listening, downloading, and subscribing, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from the Wrestling Brethren.